Join Rabbi Dr. Reb Mimi Feigelson as she blends stories, teachings, and spiritual direction, inspiring us to inscribe ourselves in the book of life and living. One of the world's most vibrant teachers of Hasidut, this podcast celebrates the life and teaching of Reb Mimi, an essential link in the chain of the Hasidic rabbis who preceded her. Okay. Um, last time that we learned together, and that was a while ago, as it's true, I asked, the question that I posed for us is, how many parents do we have? And thinking about the name of the Masechet being Avot, um, and Avot in its, I'd like to say, non-generic manner in terms of Avot Imahot. That was the way I wanted to open that question a little bit. And we went through a slew of questions that the Maharal himself posed to this first Mishnah and elements of transition and transmission of tradition. And today I thought uh, we're still on some level in the realm of the questions, and which is a really great place to be in. And I want to take it in a different direction, and that was the question of where do we draw our wisdom from? So when, uh, when we think about who our teachers are, who we've learned from in our life, right? And I want to say who our teachers are, little t, but also who our teachers are, capital T. And those aren't necessarily one of the same. I mean, if we merit, they can be. We don't always. And sometimes people don't even know um, that they are my teacher, right? That's also, that's also true. Sometimes you'll find yourself saying something and you don't know 10 years later someone will come to you and say, I, just, I need you to know that you said this 10 years ago. I've never forgotten it. It has walked with me forever and it shapes and forms who I am. So that's also true. So, and that's why when I think of the word teacher, it really is in a, in a more expansive way of being in the world, not only text. I think you know that by now about me, but nonetheless, this needs to be said. So we started with posing many, many questions as to um, what is the nature of transmission, what's the difference between Kibel and Masal, and the ongoing lineage that is being portrayed here. But the Maran asked another few questions, and I actually wanted to um, look at them. And as you can see, what's been added to the page today is actually Rashi, um, which wasn't there last time. So I was also asked in terms of additions of the Maharal, and um, I'm going to share my ignorance right now because I want to say, I can't say that there's like an amazing edition of the Maharal. You have different gifts that different editions have, like anything else, like any other script. And like some of you know that in the first year of the Mishnah class, I go through five different editions, publications of the Mishnah, and show how each page tells you something very different and what you can learn from it. Right? So in the same way, when you look at this edition that I have in front of me, which is part of a, like a 20-volume series of the writings of all of the, of all of the, um, of all the writings of the Maharal, and actually it says, you know, reserved, but it doesn't even tell you who the publisher is, you're going to love it. So I just want to say it's like the Frum edition that you get at a Frum bookstore. Um, and what's lovely about this is that what you have on the pages Rashi and the Maharal itself, which means I want you to learn this the same way I want you to learn Chumash. When I see a page like this, 
that's the message that I pick up from it. You do Chumash Rashi, you do Maharal Rashi, or you do you do Pirkei Avot Rashi, right? Or in this case, and and also in terms of what is the status of the Maharal, right? So if you're learning Pirkei Avot, what you need to know of Pirkei Avot is Rashi and the Maharal, and we're good to go. So that is what this edition gives me. Come sit next to me. On the other hand, you have this edition which as you can see is much larger. And this is Hotzat Machon Yad Mordechai from 1880. This is actually, um, and it has comments from Harav Chaim Alevi Pardis, which now tells you, uh, when the first one was, when the first, when the first um, was published, it gives you a very long, wonderful introduction to the Mahal, which is a great thing to have. And then it actually annotates the Mahal sources. which is a gift in its own right. It doesn't bring you Rashi, though. Okay, so, but this is a very different way of learning, of learning Maharal. Every edition with its gifts and with the message that it's giving. So, therefore, um, where I want to start on this page is, hmm, let me tell you where it is. So if you go from the bottom, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen lines, it's where there's footnote number eleven is. The last word is one. It's the last two words on the on the line are ve'od kashe, and also it is questionable. But I love the fact that kashen kushia, as if all questions are hard, or there's something hard going on, as if there's no easy questions. So when looking at, at the first Mishnah of Avot, it says Moshe received Torah from Sinai. We talked about receiving Torah from Sinai and why Sinai and not from God, for example, minor possibility. Um, and transmitted to Yeshua, Yeshua to the, to the elders, the elders to the prophets, the prophets to the people of the great assembly, right? So he says, but the truth of the matter is, when it says Yeshua uh, transmitted to the Zkenim and the Zkim to Nevi'im, and the Faresh bevaday ma shama u Zkenim lanevi'im, shotam Zkenim atzmam, shamasar lem Yeshua, ta Torah, hem atzmam, asur lanevi'im. Right, the elders that Yeshua transmitted to, they're not the elders that gave it over to the Nevi'im, because there's a little bit of time lapse going on there. Does that ain't no? It's not simple. Does that ain't no? It's not. Why? You can't say that they lived that long. And I love how you see this transmission. Rabbi Chia, the son of Bar Abba, said that Rabbi Yochanan says, So the Gemara says that if you actually do not engage in hesped of a talmid chacham. Come bring a chair. Right? If you don't, then you actually will not merit a long life. That there is this relationship between speaking the praise of a talmid chacham and the longevity of our life. So I want to say, not only where do we draw our wisdom from, but where do we draw our vitality from? And by being able to expand on eulogizing a talmid chacham, a sage, it also means that there was a recognition in their lifetime 
I'd like to believe, of who they actually were and what they um, fulfilled in their life. <laughs> Although I have to say, okay, confession for a moment. Confession for a moment. Yesterday when I was working out, I saw, um, I saw the opening season of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> right, that's my excuse for watching television is exercise. That's when I do it. I tape what I need to tape things to keep me on the elliptical. Okay, so what was wonderful was in this episode, which is relevant to the Maharal, which I know you're wondering how that happens, um, is that one of the interns died and, um, and her mother came and three, there are four in other interns, three of them are talking all about her and one doesn't say anything. And after these uh, three interns are like rambling about her, and right, she turns to the one who's silent and said, you haven't said anything, you must know her. Right, and hugs him and is consoled with him. So actually there was very interesting that the people that were talking a lot, really, like for the parent who knew her daughter, knew, okay, you don't know who you're talking about. Right, those are stories you're making up. Because I actually do know my daughter. Right. And I actually know that those stories that you're telling could not be my daughter. But you that are not saying anything and only crying, because like, you know there's really those stories can't be and you're not going to be part of it. I want to hold that space in terms of actually when there is what to say and when there isn't what to say. And how sometimes words can be a cover up for what shouldn't be said or need not be said. Nonetheless, here in the Gemara, the assumption really is that you have what to say about this person. And also it says, So there is a service that goes on, there's like a continuum of time which doesn't make sense in the sequence of how the Mishnah is being portrayed. That's the question the Maharal here is asking. Okay, like how long can they live? And to like, and the Nevi'im also? Like how long did they live? I want to say it's not that we just came out of Breshit. In Breshit you lived 900 years. Right? By the time you got to Yeshua, not so much. I think there's a cutoff at 120 by the time you get to Yeshua. Ela bevadai tzarich lomar, shazkinim, but obviously we need to say, shazkinim shayu bimei Yeshua, masurot Torah leskinim achirim. So the, the skinim that lived in the time of Yeshua, they transmitted to other elders in, as well. Ve'im ken, ayalo lomar, uskinim leskinim. So it really should have been, Moshe kibet Torah Messiah, umusara Yeshua. That's fine. But then, Yeshua laskinim, skinim laskinim. And then the skinim to the Nevi'im, the Nevi'im to the Nevi'im. That would have been, if we want to talk about a transmission of a tradition, right, that would have been what, the, what we should be talking about. But that's not, we have this group, we have this cluster of elders, we have this cluster of prophets. Which means that in some way what, we lo what we're losing is some kind of direct transmission. It's, it's, uh, it's um, I remember when learning with Rabbi Shlomo, you had to get, one had to get used to the phrase that actually he was quoting. 
that appears in mystical texts and in the Hasidic Rebbe's a lot, which was this one wonderful word, Kayadua, which he would translate as everybody knows. Right? And when he would say everybody knows, after a certain point, you actually realize that what he's saying is, okay, now I'm going to tell you a secret. And how do you hide a secret? You hide a secret by saying everybody knows. Because what happens in your mind when you hear everybody knows, you stop listening. Because what's going to be said is something that you know. So I can take a break right now. And then he'll transmit some secret. And then, and then you learn to actually, right? It's like, and I'm saying this because actually, um, it's, it's true, number one. <laughs> and number two is, um, the, where, the other person who talks about this, um, and I wish myself only 10% of his wisdom, and that's Professor Moshe Edel. And when he talks about Rashi, he says when Rashi says Kipshuto, that's when he's talking about a secret. That's when he's bringing in mystical secrets. Because Professor Edel believes that Rashi also is not a Pashtan, is, doesn't bring the simple understanding of the, of the Pasuk, but actually when Rashi says Kipshuto, that's when you know he's bringing secrets. So this Kayadua, everybody knows. Everybody knows. You gotta love it. Everybody knows. And I was like, oh, every, guess what? I'm I'm not everybody. I'm somebody, and I know I don't know. So please tell me. <laughs> so you have this cluster now of elders. Who's this elders? Everybody knows. Kayadua. Who are these prophets? The prophets. The rabbis say. Okay, can I have a name of at least one of the rabbis? When you say the rabbis say. Just give me name of one. <laughs> Right, which is why you know the one question I never answer is when someone says to me, what does Judaism say about? <laughs> and I'll never answer that question. Because Judaism doesn't say anything about anything. <laughs> Schools of thought say a lot about a lot. Specific teachers say a lot about a lot. Depending on what day you ask me, I have what to say, and not necessarily the same thing day after day. I'd like to believe not always the same thing day after day. So you can ask me what I believe today. You can ask me what I remember today. Those are questions you can ask me. You can ask me what keeps me alive today. Those are questions you can ask me. But what Judaism says, not so much. So we have this cluster here of Zkinim. We have this cluster of Nuvi'im. Thank you very much. Lama Asakin. And then, so on the one hand, Lord does make all the skinim one, and then designate between the elders and the prophets. He says, when talking about the transmission of Torah, actually prophecy isn't it. Prophecy doesn't take primacy. So if we're talking about elders as leaders, then there isn't a distinction. When we're talking about the transmission of Torah, then prophecy isn't a transmission that surpasses Eskimim elders. Right now, if I was writing the Maharaj, if I was writing the Maharaj, how's that? Is that a good sentence? <laughs> For week two? If I was writing the Maharaj, then I maybe I'd create a distinction between black letters and white spaces. Right, and the Skinim transmit black letters and the Nivian transmit white spaces. Maybe. I could get away with that. 
polemic against prophecy when they say many people have you know, claimed that they're receiving prophecy from God. Well, I don't know if it, I, I don't know if it's a polemic about specifically about prophecy, but I think it's a question of, of what is the what is the role of transmission of tradition. So when thinking about the um, the necessity for having teachers, for having a tradition, I think that's core. That's a core question, especially especially in the mystical traditions. Right. Um, I remember I took a class with Professor Dell for a short while. I left after a while. I was auditing. I was auditing extra curriculum, extra class. It was on the symbolism of colors in Kabbalah. Right. And I remember we were learning a text in which every word of the Shema of the pasuk Shema Yisrael Echad, every word is a different color. And in this mystical pr practice, what you would do is you would actually say the word and see the color, create a chariot of these colors and offer that. Okay, so I'm sitting in class at Hebrew University and I'm doing like, I'm like, I'm not reading the text, I'm actually doing this. And I think, okay, like this is not good. <laughs> right? I need a teacher for this. Hmm. Like, if I'm going to create this construct and then offer that, then I need a teacher to be a guide for the journey. So that's when I stopped going to that class because I knew that I was moving in between worlds and I wasn't only gathering information and I was also applying it in a practical way. So I would say the polemic is really about in the mystical tradition and when knowledge becomes more accessible, then how do we guard the knowledge but also guard people, right? And all of us as teachers, that's one of our responsibilities is how do we share the Torah that we share? What's a responsible way of transmission? I think this is a piece of what this Mishnah is offering and what the Mahal is offering. And for example, that's one of the reasons why last year we looked at the Talmud Vorah, and this year we're looking at the Maharal in terms of what fed the Hasidic masters. It's important for me that we have that <coughs> appreciation as well, um, to be able to identify what where concepts are coming from. So I think that's a, that's a significant piece of what's happening here. And that's why the detail of the transmission here is so important to him. Look at this, flipping a page. יש לנו לומר, דלא מפני נבואתם נתן להם מסירה, מפני, בפני עצמו, רק שכך היה סדר המסירה והקבלה, שהזקנים היו בימי יהושע, מסרו לנביאים, ולא תעלה מידי נבואתם. מינינג טו סיי, אבל זה לא על אותם להיות פרופס, זה רק על זה שהם היו שם. כמו מי הייתה הגנרציה? מה הייתה הגנרציה של הגנרציה? אלה האנשים שהיו שם, נכון? אז אני גם רוצה להגיד, לנו, Right? Rabbi Nachman talks a lot about praying for, for worthy teachers and praying for worthy students. Both. And uh, because, you, because you're liable. If you transmit information that's used, 
in a, in a harmful way. Like, what is your liability? What are you going to say? Oh, I just sell the gun. I didn't pull the trigger. Does that work right now in the constellation of the reality that we're living in? Right? And if we can't, and if we can't uh, take you to, to justice for selling the gun, does that mean you're not responsible in some way? Okay, so tell me how that food that you're buying from that money feeds you. Okay, these are conversations. So therefore, he's saying, here the Maharal is saying, coming back to the Maharal, right, that they were there. So it's not about their nevoah, because, but they were there. So now there's, we have a cluster of elders, we have a cluster of prophets. And we have still left with this question. And similarly, so we have this question like, why are they all clustered together? He similarly wants to say, Okay, what happened to the kings along the way? <laughs> like from the Nevi'im to Anshekna Stagdola? He says, David and Shlomo, they, what, they didn't, they didn't receive? On the contrary, we know the relationship between the Kohen, the, the Melech, and the, and the Mikdash. A, a king has to write a Sefer Torah. Right? So a king has to write a Sefer Torah, but, but yet he didn't receive Torah from Sinai? So why aren't they, why aren't they there? David and Shlomo, like if you don't want to remember any other kings, why don't we say the elders to the kings? Okay, I'm sure we haven't thought about this question either. You gotta love the Maharaj. Just the questions. I just want to show you from the questions. If someone say, okay, this is all you have to do together on Monday is like look at questions. But look at the questions. He's saying, until Anshek Nestak showed up, there was nothing to quote. This is where we're starting. They have what to quote, and what? Yeshua didn't have what to say? Um, the David and Shlomo like, didn't have Musa, didn't have a way to teach us to be, how to be in the world. Right? And finally, we come to Anshek Nestak and they have three things to say. Yeah. I have another question I think is related to this. Please. It seems to me, and I could be in interpreting this wrong, that we have the statement in the Mishnah originally in order to say we, we have revelation, and there was this one revelation, and it was passed down in this neat way, and there was this link, and, 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 and we have it. And it wasn't compromised, and it was nice and, and easy. Um, but the, he, the Maharal is posing questions like, but there's this big gap <coughs> in between. Maybe there were, it was corrupted in some kind of way. But no, there's skinning to skinning and maybe, maybe whatever. So it's still this Kabbalah achat, right? Yes. The question is not asked of, you know, even though these people that were that were passed down the generate the the Torah, the the revelation, they're great people. They were people, meaning they're a human being just like me and you, and we can't, no one can remember everything. Correct. Everybody has their own take Correct. on things. Um, why aren't we asking the question of, is it possible that we have many different 
traditions because of all the different people and different types of people that were passed down this tradition? It is a puzzle. They have many traditions, right? So the question is, I want to ask, is what questions need to be asked and what questions are givens? Do you think that's a given? Well, I think, I think when asking, when having to do so much work to make a statement as to a lineage of transmission, for me that also opens a question. So I want to say that in many ways, um, I want to say two things, at least I think right now. It's way too early in the year for this. Okay. <laughs> I want to say two things. Number one is, um, I've said this before, I think we all choose a story to live with. And that's the story that we need in order to progress in our life. Is it the only story? It's not the only story. So that's the first thing I want, uh, I want to say. And I think the question is, how do we own the story that we are actually living? I remember with my 40th birthday, I went home. I was already here, and I told Rabbi Artsan, I said, God didn't keep me alive for 40 years to celebrate my birthday in America. I'm going home. <laughs> that was true. I was actually, I did Yud Aleph Adar, I was home. March 7th, I was here. Um, and I, um, it wasn't that trip, actually. I remember when it was. It was my father's 20th yard site. Because 20 years is a generation. It was my father's 20th yard site. I was home only for a week, also. And, um, and I, met with, I met only with a few people that week. I met only with people that were living a life I could have been living. That I could have been living. So I took the 20 years from when, right, which is a generation, and I said, the, I could have been living in, the, in, the set, in a settlement with a dozen children. I could have had that academic career. I could have, right? And I asked myself, I, which was an opportunity for me to see all the different lives I could have lived. And then to see the life choices that I've made. And what does it mean to live that life? So I want to say that giving over this, this, this transmission is saying, this is my life. My life is Moshe kibel Torah misinai u'mesara leYoshua leYoshua laskinim laskinim anshek nestek dola. That straight, that direct, that simple. Because if you look, why did I bring Rashi on the page? Because Rashi fills in the blanks. Rashi gives you. That's why I wanted you to see it. He says, "Ve'nam elu shivim laskinim shibemei Moshe laskinim shayu ve'od." Um, he actually talks about the generations of Skinim. And he brings, you can see the third line from the bottom of Rashi on the right. Right? He, doesn't write, he brings in the Shoftim. He brings in Zurbavel, Nechemia, Mordechai. He needs to know, Ezra, he needs to know what the detail of what this transmission is. Because right? he doesn't want to leave that gap open. Right. Right? So maybe it means that the Maral isn't even asking the question. And doesn't want to ask the question. About Kabbalah Achad? About Kabbalah Achad. 
right? And he says, I see it. I see it. And this is how I am. I, I see the question. I see, he sees the Amistanila's question. So the best way to divert a question is to pose it. <laughs> is to pose it. That's how, right? Because now he's going to enter into uh, uh, explaining. I know. I'm sorry. He has the so he has a question. I think he diverts it by actually posing it hmm. and giving a very straightforward question. But as you can see, Rashi has a need to fill in those blanks. So therefore, the question of where we draw our wisdom from is a core question. Like, oh, I went to Ziegler. That's saying Nevi'im or Zkinim or in Sheikh Nasrud, I can make a choice here. <laughs> right? But Rashi would ask of you to actually be able to name who did you actually learn with? Not what classes did you go to, but who did you learn with? And who did you learn from? And it could be someone that you actually never sat in a class of theirs. but still see yourself as their student. That's also true. So Rashi would ask of us to actually be able to articulate who we draw our wisdom from. And then if these are the teachers that we're drawing from, and not only living teachers, like what are the books that you're reading? I, I think if you, went on, if you went up to my office right now and you looked on what's on the desk, it's, it's really, it's just a scary thought actually. It's amazing. I'm actually proud of it, to be honest, in terms of the plethora of wisdom that's on my desk right now. Rabbinic, non-rabbinic, Jewish, not Jewish, across the board of what I have right now on my desk. Whose articles are on my desk? What books are on my desk? Pictures of what teachers are on my desk right now? What students are on my desk right now behind me? That's the truth. Who do we draw our wisdom from? And if we wrote, each one of us wrote our name, Right? Like, what would that look like? What would our trajectory of transmission look like? So that's the question I want to leave us with for today. Shavuot Tov. Amazing. We can say Chodesh Tov. I was telling my friends in Shul this Shabbat. You know, they were saying, oh, it's a regular Shabbat. I said, but don't get used to it, because next Shabbat there's Hallel. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back to a special Shabbat. And may this new month really be a Ram Cheshvan, a month of so many amazing uh, blessings and a space for new learning and new friendship and new Torah and a transmission of our wisdom. This podcast is supported in part by a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Joey Weisenberg and the Hadar Ensemble. Learn more at risingsong.org. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.